Hey guys, welcome to the Colorado A-List podcast. We're building a thriving business community based on generous leadership and authentic connections. I'm your host, Matt Brower, and today's episode is brought to you by GetAround. GetAround is a community-focused car sharing platform where people can rent cars in their neighborhood by the hour or by the day. Whether you're running errands, traveling, or heading into the mountains, GetAround can help you get there. They've also worked out a great deal for us listeners of this podcast. Visit get.co forward slash Colorado A-List to get $50 off your first ride. It's go time. Hey guys, this is Matt, and this episode's guest has a remarkable story of entrepreneurship. I first met him through a business community group he started back in early in the early 2000s. I think it was 2003, 2004. Uh, after graduating from CU, he founded an internet services company, which he merged with five other companies and took public within a four-year time span. After that, he got involved in one of the earliest tech incubators in Colorado called SeaTech. After SeaTech, he used his deep knowledge of business finance and mergers and acquisitions to help other companies... Uh, as an investment banker, uh, which he did for the next 11 years. That brings us to 2016, when he decided to take on revolutionizing the, quote, cheap swag uh, promotional products market. He founded Clove & Twine, which creates remarkable branded goods for corporate America. Aside from his entrepreneurial journey, he's a father of two and a highly respected guy in Denver's business community. Thank you for being here, Dave Heap. Thank you. My pleasure. So I think I remember the name of the uh, business community that you created back in the day. Was it called Chillin' Time? It was. I would say both uh, business, but a lot of social as well. It was, it was very much both. And so you, from what I remember, and I was just a young buck in Denver. We both were young bucks in Denver's business community at that point. Uh, the intent of that. Talk about the intent of that. I know you're building a big kind of a network of young professionals to get to know each other and kind of tra- uh, you know, trade business back and forth. Or Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, for some reason, you know, I've always just enjoyed bringing people together and have done so in a variety of ways that you know, we won't even talk about today. But uh, Chillin was uh, a really great group of, of business people here. Uh, we had 1,400 people at the max um, that wanted to get out and have a good time socially and meet new people. So, you know, you didn't pay for it. There's no name tags, nothing stuffy about it. Just fun times at fun new restaurants and bars and a great chance for great business people to connect on a social level. Yeah. And uh, it was really successful. Um insofar as there was no real agenda behind it. I didn't make any money at it. It wasn't about me. It was actually about the people. I photographed the attendees uh, extensively Mm. and put them on the website. And given that it was invite only through a one degree of separation uh, uh, sort of uh, way to bring people in, uh, we just had a really good crew. The, The way I would describe it today is a offline version, a baby version of a Facebook or Instagram, if you will. Yeah. In that we didn't have, you know, things back then in the early 2000s that were social networks. 
maybe so in our true. own MySpace or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But this was a real-world social network with great people here in Colorado. So very fun. I don't know how I was fortunate to get invited to that, but I do remember the events. And I remember you being a leader in the business community at that point. And so this was this had to have been after you had exited your first company? Correct. Was that your next thing that you had created? This was just, uh, I'd call it a side hustle, but given that it wasn't about money or, or anything like that, it was really just a fun passion. At the time, I was a co-investor in a restaurant in Boulder named Triana, huh. and uh, uh, was looking for a way to promote the restaurant, and uh, just had an idea to bring some people together Quickly, it blossomed over the next eight years into something much bigger than that or that restaurant. Yeah. Uh, we did a ton here in Denver with uh, the Denver restaurant owners and bar owners and uh, other great venues. In fact, it got so big that we uh, ended up doing a five, 600-person black tie event every holiday season and uh, then went on to start the When I Grow Up Foundation which was a youth mentoring uh, organization that was the beneficiary of ticket sales and other receipts um, from the black tie event. So it was a nice double whammy. We had both the social network chilling and the When I Grow Up Foundation, which helped youth understand what career experiences would be like, which were in a great way, provided by the members of Chillin, the business yeah. people there. So lawyers and hoteliers and doctors and others that, uh, you know, were a part of that yeah. and wanted to give back. Wow. that's uh, So it's a to- total give back uh, project that actually turned into something pretty big and impactful. When you do it that way, there's just about no limit, you know, when it's about money or personal fame or politics or anything else, yeah. that's what taints it, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. So That's yeah, very the cool. people drove it and the goodness of, of their characters. I was just sort of an instrument and facilitator of that. Yeah, yeah that's cool. So uh, and you had, had you gotten involved in your investment bank by then, or was that kind of an interim? Well, it was an eight-year span that I did chillin'. So I worked at SeaTac for almost four years uh, during the first part of that. That's right. That would have been and that ran time. the okay. uh, the SeaTac uh, uh, Angel Group yeah. and what we call the finance track. So bringing younger, smaller companies in and doing angel financing for them. Uh, we had uh, at least two hundred active angel investors. Again, this is before. Uh, many of the angel groups or crowdfunding things we know about today. Yeah, I don't it remember. It was the de facto angel group here in Colorado 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. So I was very privileged to be a part of that, run that organization, recruit and work with the high net worth investors and bring through all the young companies that were uh, raising seed rounds of capital, pre-VC mm-hmm. financings. And then about four years uh, into that, I uh, became an investment banker. So literally got my Series 7 and 63, uh, joined a boutique investment bank here in town, and spent almost a dozen years uh, then raising venture capital and ultimately doing a lot of M&A transactions, mergers, and acquisitions. Yeah, that's great. Um, And so 
I know you graduated CU. Uh, what was your degree, by the way? Don't laugh out loud, but it's electrical and computer engineering. You're kidding. And that's wow. only because I changed from pre-med, um, which is what I started out uh, in uh, because my family was involved in medicine. Okay. So uh, very much an entrepreneur at heart, but uh, it took me a little bit of time to kind of dial in what I what I like to do. I, I'm still a geek to this day. You know, I yeah. love technology. Um, we don't sell technology. We leverage it today. Yeah. But even in my investment banking career, you know, I was able to bring uh, some value there given my fairly deep knowledge of uh, hardware, software, you know, systems and all the things that came with that. Yeah. Um, so talk about your uh, so just before uh, we were chatting, just before we started this, uh, you've made mention of, you know, you just always just in your blood to be an entrepreneur. It's just always how you were wired. How, um, where do you think that came from? If your rest of your family comes from kind of the medical industry, was there anything specific you can remember where you said, wow, I can, I can go create this or that, and it turns into something more? It's a really good question. I don't know that I've ever had it. Uh, asked in that pointed of a way before. All I can tell you is that I've been an entrepreneur before I knew there was a word uh, to describe it, let alone how to spell entrepreneurialism. (laughs) Um, As a young kid, I would, you know, take my red wagon and walk around the neighborhood collecting newspapers to be recycled. I would, you know, uh, collect cans and weed gardens and do things as just a young child, probably first, second grader. Wow. Um, just because it, it was just natural to me to want to do something. Just and go maybe produce. make a little bit of money, you <laughs> yeah. know, from it to, to add to my allowance or whatever. Yeah. And my, I suppose my first business was seventh grade when I was in Houston, Texas. And... Uh, um, started a lawn mowing business. It's a jungle down there, as you probably are aware. Mm. So everybody has to have, you know, a real lawn service or else it would it would just uh, get away from you. But Where is this now? Houston, Texas. Oh, Houston, okay. Yeah. So I had, you know, one, one lawn a day I'd do after school and made, you know, 70 bucks a week, which, wow. which was good for a kid in seventh grade. Oh, yeah. And uh, it just kept going after that. Um, uh, it always just seemed that I wanted to uh, be be doing something, running a business, me be running the business instead of me working for somebody doing it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, in high school, I uh, had uh, a roofing business, so doing uh, mostly residential but some commercial uh, uh, composition shingle and wood shingle roofing for homes and, and buildings. And uh, even, you know, as a junior in high school, I had two employees and trucks and trailers and shingle elevators and equipment and all that. I couldn't even have a bank account, but my dad was the, quote, bank. Yeah. And I paid him, you know, uh, on, on the equipment and all that stuff that he had financed for me. Oh, wow. So it was just a great way as, as a, a person in high school to understand you know, what it would be like as an adult to have to start and run a company and finance it and make it work. I used to um, 
pay the kid next door uh, $15 or maybe it's $20 a week to mow my lawn. And his parent, like he used his parents' lawnmower and his parents would charge him $5 a week for the gas. And they told me that they were doing that. And I, think it, I was thinking, wow, you're teaching him a valuable lesson in uh, <laughs> just what you're talking about. Well, you know, an interesting point there. I mean, one way I would describe myself and, you know, to the extent I've been successful is, is just being really scrappy. Mm. A lot of people use the term scrappy. I'm, I'm just really scrappy. I literally walked home from school one day and saw the handlebars of a lawnmower uh, sticking out of a dumpster and dove in the dumpster, saw the lawnmower, pulled it out, took it home, disassembled the entire thing with a manual I found and rebuilt the engine. And that was my lawnmower for free. You're kidding and, me. Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and it worked fine for, you know, a year or two. And uh, it's just scrappiness like that, uh, both in terms of doing something that doesn't cost a lot of money, but also just knocking down any barriers that would otherwise make somebody feel they can't do something. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> so um, jumping back forward, how uh, how did you come to... This, the industry you're in now, that Cloven Twine is, uh, that you've taken on, how did you kind of see an opportunity or, an, or a problem in this industry and say, I'm going to go improve that or build on that or yeah. attack that? And if I may start with, you know, why I made a switch, I mean, investment banking was, was a wonderful career. I got to work with just exceedingly talented and successful entrepreneurs and business owners all over the country and uh, learn a lot from them and help them a lot. And uh, it was just wonderful. But I realized that I wanted to either buy or build a business that would take me into my later years in life and provide an annuity streams because, you know, as an investment banker, once you, you're done, you know, you may have a few more uh, payouts you get on deals, but there's not a lot of exit value in selling it. Yeah. And there's really no annuity on a small investment bank um, after you're done. So I knew I needed a business that could be an ongoing concern and uh, yet provide income for me as I you know, moved into traveling and retirement and whatnot, which is what my ultimate end game is. So I started looking around. Um, I you know, had a lot of buy opportunities because... M&A was the world I was in, but being an entrepreneur, I really just wanted to, to build something. And I wanted to build it from scratch um, because I wanted to create the brand and, and define the brand. I was actually up in Aspen uh, road biking. I, I loved to road bike and road bike up in the mountains and standing there at, uh, at the Maroon Bells um, had somebody take a picture uh, of us biking up there. And I was wearing a biking kit that a uh, commercial bank had given me, an mm. expensive kit, you know, the bibs and, and uh, jersey mm. for biking. And that picture uh, was very beautiful. You know, the Maroon Bells is just gorgeous. Um, was on social media, very popular. And as I sat there looking at it a month later, 
and the bank's name is all over this jersey yeah. and, and bibs, I'm thinking, well, that's really neat. You know, I am advertising their bank, not even my own investment bank. Yeah. But good for them that they were smart enough to put a $300 kit on me and, you know, me advertise their business. I go, I wonder how many people do this. How many companies would spend real money to give something of value? Because God knows I'd, you know, spent a whole career of receiving shitty, crappy little swag. Yeah. You know, that that you either don't pick up at all, or if you do, you know, it, it gets thrown away at your hotel room or... <laughs> Maybe best case, you know, you take it back and give it to your kids as some little tchotchke. Right. <laughs> so Yeah, I we've thought, all gotten a ton of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I thought, you know, what if there were companies that would buy real uh, goods, right, product, that did appropriately have their brand on it? And uh, there would be a business there. Now, I knew nothing about the real innards of a promotional products business. Right. Never run a distributorship, um, run a lot of tech companies, software companies, internet companies, things like that, but never anything like this. So I spent about six months doing a lot of reading and research. And here's what I found. There's about 20,000 uh, distributors here in North America that do about uh, $22 billion a year in gross sales to every company you can imagine from a 10-person dentistry office to Facebook and everybody in between of yeah. every size you can imagine. And uh, the industry is just, just filled with you know 99.99% of those 20,000 companies being just purveyors of crap, <laughs> just, just junk, Yeah, you know, and it's everything from uh, a mom and pop shop in Edina, Minnesota, working out of their basement, maybe making 75, 80 K a year all in. Okay. Yeah. All the way up to $75 million, even, you know, $500 million master distributors that are moving, you know, high end speakers and, and other neat tech and, and product like that, and then a whole bunch in between. So what I said is I'd like to create uh, what we call a remarkable branded goods company, something that when you were given the product, you remarked about it, made a remark about it, right? Or yeah. somebody made a remark to you about it. It's not, distinct. Not yeah. an ego thing. Right. But a, wow, where did you get that incredible... Patagonia vest. Yeah. Or I've never seen a Qi charger, a wireless Qi charger made out of walnut burl. Right. <laughs> or look at this pen you're using or a leather journal or a duffel bag or these things. Something that you would actually use year in and year out and is really remarkable. Mm -hmm. And so that is sort of the defining characteristic of, of what we set out to do. Yeah, and uh, we're we're sitting here in your showroom at your office, and I'm looking at the products as we're as we're recording this. And when you're talking about cheap swag, pens come to mind, post-it card notes come to mind. 
I'm looking at your pens. I mean, they are made out of, carved out of wood. They're, uh, I mean, just super high-end things that you'd want to actually display. And uh, we're going to post, with your permission, post some photos of like sure. just your showroom here. But it's just very impressive. So it is, it is very distinct from what you typically see at, you know, you go to a trade show or an event and you just get yeah. stuff. This is uh, this is like meaningful. Hey, I just, you know, I want to give something very meaningful to my 10, 20, 50 best clients this year. I'm going to go to Clove and Twine and and uh, it's find clients. Yeah. It is employees. Yeah. It is partners. Mm. It is year-end gifts. It's holiday gifts. It is new employee packages, it's president's clubs, it's everything you can imagine. Yeah. The, the, the mass trade shows, we really don't have a, a value proposition there. And, you know, if you're looking for something that's under 10 bucks, like a fidget spinner or a 99 <laughs> cent knit cap from That's China, the trade show thing. You yeah. know, that's not us. Yeah. And no problem. Uh, you know, pe- people understand when they go to our website who we are, and a lot of them sell basically all of them self-select either in or out. Yeah. So it's, it's a good way that that occurs. Oh, that's great. So, and you, um, so you guys are what, three, almost three years old now. Yeah. So September one of 16, I incorporated. Okay. I had a business plan by then, you know, a forecast on what I anticipated doing and a plan to, to really get this company going. So employee number one was our curation director. And she and I sat down and spent six months basically building out a wish list and a line of what we could carry and wanted to carry. Mm. And by March 1st of 17 was first revenue. We launched a a very well-developed Shopify website and, uh, you know, went live and started bringing in customers and, and making sales. So at this point now, December of 2019, we're just shy of our, of our three-year mark. Wow. Uh, and you've, uh, you guys have grown quickly. It's kind of a repeat of your uh, internet company. Kind of figure, yeah, it sounds like in- you figured out a program. Here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the internet company, uh, I mean, you know, that grew really fast um, for different reasons. We yeah. were, you know, we were the third internet company in Colorado to have what then was called a T1. You know, I don't even know if that's still something that people understand. Yeah, High-speed, right. you know, data line. Yeah. Now there's millions of them here in Colorado, but every we were building very yeah. early, yeah. and uh, so there was just a ton of updraft there that we got picked up in and did a good enough job. Yeah, that we just exploded in a in a very positive way. Here, you know, we were in a stagnant, crappy industry, commoditized industry. Um, the differentiation was, you know would have been impossible if we hadn't come up with something just completely uh, in our own, uh, of our own defining yeah. these remarkable branded goods and just being able to stick to that knitting and do what we thought would work. And um, that coupled with uh, some really clever Google advertising um, has just driven this business uh, at a, 
unanticipated rate. Um, I, you know, should have been good at forecasting, for crying out loud. I did it for almost two decades right. in uh, my businesses and investment banking and helping hundreds of companies review and prepare and critique their forecasts and financials. I couldn't have been more wrong and wrong in the right direction. In the right way, yeah. <laughs> that, you know, we, uh, let me put it this way. We, our revenue uh, earlier this year in, in one month was, was more than we anticipated for our, our entire first year's revenue. So really? it's, wow. just, it's just really gone uh, quickly. And we've just been very blessed uh, to be able to uh, gain traction with big brands, big companies that are just thirsting for something fresh. They've, they've been buying stuff for 10, 20 years, and they're sick of it. Yeah. And they come along and they find a company like ours, and they're like, wow, we can buy product from you. We can have you do... Uh, president's clubs or, you know, gifting suites. We can have you do kits uh, or gift boxes, which we'll do almost 20,000 of those this quarter alone. Wow. And so we package up these things in a very novel way that seems to be resonating quite well with, uh, with corporate America. Big companies, small companies too, but, you know, we are not a SMB group. I mean, it's usually several hundred employees or more are our best and biggest clients that, that we do. That's most of your business, with. yeah. Well, okay. yeah, I mean, you know, certainly on a percentage basis, we've, you know, we do a lot of five-figure programs, but now this year we've done a lot of six-figure programs, and next year we'll have our first seven-figure program. Really? So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, we bid on a couple this year and have not won them, but uh, there are literally, you know, one... We, we bid on a project for a worldwide business for all 13,000 employees to get a backpack. So oh, my goodness. That was $2.6 million had we won that business. Yeah. So we haven't done this get yet, the next one. but, you know, they will be coming. Yeah. More will be coming. Well, congratulations on your success uh, to date. And it uh, seems like you've hit the hockey stick. Uh, We've got a great team. I growth. Mean, you you yeah. got to, I mean, this is, you know, I mean, besides Google, it, some of the basics still very much apply. You just have to hire really good talent. And when you are able to bring in great people and support them and give them what they need and let them grow and, you know, just incentivize them, it's just amazing. Because, you know, our success today is is really built on a number of things, but the staff uh, and their expertise that they bring being one of them. Well, yeah, and we just love hearing this story because what we like to do on this podcast is hear the stories of the people that are being disruptive in their industry. Uh, you know, they see that, hey, this needs a shake up. Here's how we can do it. And you guys are a success story doing that. So, uh, well, very, it's very interesting cool. because, you know, I, I had people look at me and talk to me as I was starting this. Like, are you an idiot, Dave? I mean, promo products, really? I mean, and, and of course, they didn't know and couldn't envision how there could be a disruptor in this space. Right. I, I barely had my head wrapped around it. 
we could have sunk to the bottom of the ocean, you know, as fast as possible. Um, very distinct possibility, but uh, we just, you know, literally struck a chord and uh, it worked well. One of our first people that we brought in as well uh, was our creative director. Mm -hmm. And he is uh, a, just a veteran of 20 years of creating and building brands. And I like telling this part of the story because I think it's very important um, for people to know that uh, a lot of investment up front in your brand creation and brand strategy uh, can really pay off. Mm. Not all the time, but many times. And I've done this a couple times and paid up for it, and it's really worked well. Um, we picked a company name, uh, Clove and Twine, which think of it as Restoration Hardware or Crate and Barrel. You know, what do those two names think to us today? Right. Certainly not about restoring hardware. Um, when you go to Restoration Hardware's <laughs> flagship store, you know, you see $5,000, $10,000 couches and, you know, every other beautiful uh, type of linens and blankets and drapes and everything you can imagine. Right. Crate and barrel, same thing. You know, 50 years ago or whenever they started, it was that. But today it's about beautiful interiors. So we wanted a blank canvas, a name of cloven twine that we could paint a picture in our audience's mind that we wanted to paint, right? And so it's been... Uh, great, because it is also very different than Ethel's Coffee Cups of Edina, Minnesota, LLC, <laughs> right? Right. And I'm being a little bit facetious with right. that, yep. but in the promo industry, they're not very creative. So, you know, over time, and this is a, at least a 30-year play for us, um, you know, we believe that we have an opportunity to create a brand uh, in a much smaller way, but nonetheless in a meaningful way, like a restoration hardware has done. Yeah, and how did you come to the the, the name Clove and Twine? Well, our creative director actually came up with it. He's, okay. he's just very talented, um, both conceptualizing the names, um, defining the brand. We have the C&T lockup in our logo yeah. and our... You know, our brand standards and our website. I mean, every single thing you see from the showroom you're sitting in to the lookbooks and holiday catalogs, the printed catalogs that are sitting here in front of you, to our websites, our emails, our blogs, every single touch point we have with the world is all written by our copywriter. It's all according to our brand standards. Wow. It all looks perfect aligned with what our creative director has put together. So it's interesting because you got Dave Heeb, knows nothing about the industry. Nobody in this industry knows him, yeah. right? You got Clove and Twine, a brand new company. Nobody's ever heard of it. Granted, we do sell brands, North Face, Patagonia, um, you know, some of the bags, uh, Timbuktu, uh, things like that. Yeah. But nobody knew us, but when you look at us, especially in this industry, it looks like a very mature, very successful, very professional entity, um, which was key to rise above, head and shoulders above the others 
that were just kind of, you know, bumbling along. Doing the same old in thing. In the promo space. Yeah. Wow. So very odd industry, but uh, it allowed us to, to step up very tall very quickly. Wow. That is such key advice to every business owner listening to this podcast. Well, it's hard because, yeah. you know, we spent, you know, probably $30,000 on our website. Mm-hmm. It's a lot wow. of money That's a lot. for, yeah. you know, a first website. Now, granted, this isn't just a, you know, a brochureware site. This is a transactional Shopify, you know, sophisticated site that did press. Has a lot of uh, function to it, yeah. But, you know, we spent at least that much as well on our brand creation and a lot of things that have... Uh, allowed us to quickly uh, be, be taken as legitimate by the big companies yeah. that are knocking on our door. Well, so uh, before I forget, how uh, what's the best way for people to reach you or check out the brand and oh, what's yeah. your website? So, yeah, so just Google Clove and Twine um, or go to Clove and Twine, C-L-O-V-E-A-N-D-T-W-I-N-E. Uh, we've got a great website. You can shop by all kinds of different ways, prices, categories, products. Um, you can look at our kits and all kinds of different things. Um, we actually, interestingly enough, side point, um, only about one ev- in every four or 500 transactions is actually organically done through the website hmm. like you do on Amazon or Best Buy. Yeah. Um, most of the transactions are done uh, through... Uh, our account managers, and working with uh, people that come in through the phone, chat, or uh, our Zendesk emails. So we do a lot of um, quoting and invoicing and, you know, uh, projects like that where we're actually putting together a quote and uh, transacting the, the program versus you know, somebody just checking out on the website and buying a a couple different, yeah, it's more volume. Yeah. And uh, we, you know, we sell to bigger companies. We do, um, we have what we call minimum order quantities, MOQs, whether it's six, 12, 50, a hundred, depending upon what kind of product, if you buy swell bottles from us, the minimum is a hundred, for example, because that's what they set. Right. But, um, it's great because I'd, I'd rather have, uh, fewer, larger transactions rather than scores of tiny transactions. Absolutely. And it's really opened our eyes to see, once again, you know, how some of these programs get very large for big companies. Mm -hmm. When you're a billion-dollar-plus corporation, you know, you actually end up spending a lot of money on employee or client gifts. Yeah, because it matters, uh, you know. To to many companies, it does. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh yeah, so uh, appreciate all of that, uh, you know, kind of what has made you you guys this successful this quick. Uh, great to hear that stuff. Um, we'll wrap here in a couple minutes, but before I do, uh, we'd love to kind of uh, find out a little bit more about what makes you tick. Just two or three rapid-fire questions just about you personally. Sure. So is there any sort of, like, morning routine that you uh, practice, get up and... What does that look like? Or not? Boy, I, I really wish I had an uh, impressive answer to that. I know some wonderful entrepreneurs right here in our town that, you know, get up at 
4.30 a.m. and do an hour and a half workout or run 10 miles or whatever. Uh, unfortunately, I am not one of them. I'm not a morning <laughs> Neither person, am I. though. <laughs> <laughs> so I do want to say I'm very much not a morning person. Um, making a first cup of coffee and just kind of getting my day slowly started is, uh, is great. I end up working a lot of hours, long days and weekends as, you know, probably most of the entrepreneurs do listening to this podcast, but, uh, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a morning guy. So yeah, I wish cool. I had a better response on that one. Yeah. No. How about, uh, how about favorite technology that you use? Um, oh, you know, a bunch of different things, I suppose. Um, we, uh, I got to say Sonos is fabulous. We use it at the office and at my house. Um, we're a big Zendesk company, Shopify, Avalara, um, Slack. I got to tell you, you know, corporate messaging with Slack is, is fabulous. Mm. Um, love that. Um, what's really neat nowadays, of course, is is that the experience, the cloud experience we have on our laptops, you know, is on our smartphones as well. So we can see everything through all these different ways. And, you know, given that I travel a lot for pleasure, um, you know, it's great to be able to keep an eye on things here um, remotely. Uh, whether, you know, I'm in Europe or Asia or wherever it is, yeah. uh, you can really stay uh, quite well connected based on you really the technologies it's, it's amazing. that, that yeah. we use. We use a lot of different technology forms here in the business. That's great. And then uh, just to wrap, you mentioned travel. What's the best uh, or most interesting place that you've ever been to? Wow. Um, I've really fallen in love with Asia. I, I, I spent... A uh, fair amount of time in Thailand, which was just beautiful. But I was in China this year for a couple weeks, and uh, very, very interesting. Um, both in People's Republic of China, starting in Beijing, and then going down into Hong Kong, which you know I was so naive to this prior. I I didn't realize that they are as different as they are. You'd think Hong Kong was just China. Yeah. But now we see on the television, and fortunately we were there before this started in, that uh, Hong Kong is a very different set of people and standards and living and yep. beliefs and all of that. But nonetheless, it was all extremely interesting and valuable to take in the rich culture of the Chinese people and uh, very, very much enjoyed that. I have not made it there yet, but it's on the list for sure. I'm also a big traveler myself. and. So, yeah, well, this was awesome. It was very good to hear kind of your story, learn more about you, and uh, very much appreciate your, your uh, sharing and generous leadership today. Oh, my pleasure. It, it was absolutely uh, delightful to chat with you, and I you know, hope it's helpful to any of those listening because uh, as entrepreneurs, we, we're always looking for new tricks and yep. tactics on uh, how to do better and better, myself included. Absolutely. Great. Well, thanks again, and uh, we'll let you get back to it. Thank you. All right.